Hello, and welcome to the From Urban to Ag podcast, where we take questions that consumers have about food, agriculture, natural resources, or the environment, and find the answers together through interviews with industry experts. My name is Jacqueline, and I am the facilitator and host for this podcast. Have a question about content you hear today, or have a new topic you want covered in a podcast? Get in touch through the contact tab on my website, www.fromurbantoag.com. For the remainder of this episode, I want to challenge you to think critically about what you learned today and how it connects to your everyday life. Now on to the episode. Hello everyone, and welcome to this next episode of the From Urban to Ag podcast. Glad to have you still with us. So today we're going to be discussing a topic I thought it was very important to address early on in this series, and that is critical thinking and conflict resolution in reference to agriculture. So a lot of these podcast episodes might be on topics that can incite strong emotional responses um, or could have a lot of differentiating opinions on them. So I wanted to give you the tools of how to think through some of these um, topics uh, that you might have a different opinion on or disagree with and how to kind of work through those thoughts and then also talk about conflict resolution because I know some people listening in are agricultural communicators and have to deal with having those important uh, conversations with different consumers and people from other perspectives. So speaking with us today on critical thinking and conflict resolution is Ms. Stephanie Medina. Stephanie completed her undergraduate degree in psychology and a graduate degree in educational counseling at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. She's the owner and manager of Flow LLC, a consulting company specializing in organizational conflict resolution and training service. Stephanie has been mediating, training, and facilitating since 2009. Stephanie also teaches graduate courses at both Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and the San Luis Obispo College of Law. Stephanie also works as a training consultant and volunteer with Creative Mediation, the San Luis Obispo County's local community mediation center, and is the past board chair of the National Association for Community Mediation. Without further ado, let's get into the podcast. So first of all, thank you very much for being here this morning. I really appreciate it. Uh, Can you start off by telling everyone your name and a little bit about yourself and how you found yourself in the career you're in today? Absolutely. So my name is Stephanie Medina. Um, I worked here locally in San Luis Obispo for, gosh, a long time. Graduated um, with a master's at Cal Poly back in 2009 um, and have been working in the conflict resolution industry in SLO since then um, and at the national level. And I sort of accidentally fell into it. Um, (laughs) I actually went to school to be a counselor in the educational world. And um, when I graduated, the the education world was kind of tanking from a budget perspective. And so Mm -hmm. I accidentally fell into a job at Creative Mediation, which is San Luis Obispo's Community Mediation Center for the county. Um, And it was there that I learned mediation and conflict resolution theory for the first time. And it was a huge game changer for me. Of course, one of those moments where you aren't looking for it, but your path kind of finds you. And so since learning those skills and understanding conflict in a different way, it's become my passion to share that with others, to help others understand how we end up in conflict um, and how we as adults process things and how we can kind of work ourselves out of that when we find ourselves in conflict. And then also hopefully how we can avoid conflict um, in the first place. So that's become my life passion. Great. Yeah. Great. So part of the reason I invited you today, as you know, that on this podcast, we kind of go over a lot of different agricultural topics and some of which can cause a little bit of 
controversy or just very um, contradicting opinions. Um, So I really wanted to have you here today just to kind of paint the scene of how to deal with information that might conflict with your own beliefs or things that are new to you and it's hard to process. So I wanted to kind of go over that. So to start off with, uh, I was hoping you can kind of talk about what andragogy is and how it could apply and yeah. What is this word that most of us probably haven't heard? <laughs> so so we, there's this, um, we, some of us might have heard of pedagogy before, which is the idea um, of kind of how we teach kids. So theory and practice of teaching kids. So when we look at how adults learn, there are some significant differences. And so andragogy is the study or the practice of how we teach adults. And some of the important differences between how kids learn and how adults learn are pretty common sense when we stop and think about it. You know, you you see a kid learn and they just sort of soak things up like a sponge, right? Um, and they accept everything. You know, if mom or dad said it, mom or dad are superheroes, right? So therefore, that must be truth. Um, and they do that with their teachers. They just accept things and soak them up. As adults, we find that we have this really rich reservoir of past experiences and prior knowledge. So when we learn something new, instead of just soaking it up, what happens is we have to figure out how it fits with what we already have in our mind. And sometimes that's a little uncomfortable because sometimes our past experiences or what we've learned in the past has um, created an opinion or a schema, a mental schema about how something works or how we feel about something. Mm -hmm. And so when we learn something new or hear something new that doesn't fit with what we believe, we have some dissonance, some discomfort around that. Um, And so we need the space to think that through and figure Mm -hmm. out how we feel about the new information. Generally, what happens is we either decide that we accept it and we learn how to adjust our beliefs to accommodate this new information, which can be really uncomfortable to go through. Um, But often that's how we grow. Or we aren't ready for that. And for whatever reason, we, we aren't ready for that vulnerable space. And so we just kind of reject the new information. And sometimes that is what leads to conflict, is that not feeling ready to experience or learn something new. Um, but we got to be gentle with ourselves because yeah. as adults, there's there's a lot to take in and a lot to make sense of. Yeah, and that's kind of the hope of this podcast is that people can, in their own time, in their own space, their safe space, can ho- hopefully be, they are ready and coming to this, ready to kind of be yeah. open about it. Great. So next, we always hear this word, critical thinking. In any yeah. school, in any class, any professional development program, you're going to hear that you have to be critical thinkers. Yes. Um, But I feel like not everyone really understands exactly what that means and how to apply it. So can you kind of go over what that term means to you and ways of practicing critical thinking? Yeah, that is a big term. And I think for a lot of us, when we hear critical thinking, what we imagine in our mind is picking things apart, kind of being the devil's advocate in the argument, which could be a piece of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are some bigger components that can make critical thinking successful or not successful. So especially for adults, like we talked about, when we're thinking about um, kind of examining our past beliefs or our past experiences, first of all, that's a pretty vulnerable process. It takes a lot of courage um, and comfort to be willing to examine what we already believe. But even more importantly, it takes being able to be in the big picture. So we sort Mm -hmm. of have to zoom out and be kind of unattached and be able to observe our own thinking. So it takes some some mindfulness, if you will. Mm -hmm. So what we want to think about is 
um, environments where we can be successful critical thinkers. And so what we know is that generally folks are more open to thinking about things in a new way or considering something that might make them vulnerable or, or uncomfortable when they're in a safe environment, right? When we're with folks that we trust or people we know are going to love us despite something we might mm-hmm. say wrong or might come out wrong. Um, that's a space where we feel more comfortable talking things out or saying something we're unsure about, trying something new that we're not a professional at yet. Yeah. So a critical thinking environment is one where we can feel safe, we can try things out, we might mess up, and that's okay. It's okay to mess up. And so we want to invite people into those spaces where, you know, like a podcast, for example, we can maybe sit in our own car and feel safe to think through something new that's being presented and really consider a different belief or a new idea. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I think you might have touched on this earlier too, but moving into some things that might prevent us from thinking critically or might stop that process. What are some things that typically halt the critical thinking process or affect it? So part of it is feeling like you're not in a safe environment. So that's that's a piece of it. Um, but we also want to think about kind of how our brain works and um, something that I sometimes refer to as a filter, right? So mm-hmm. each person kind of has this invisible filter, this unique filter through which they interact with the world. And so your filter, for example, is going to be different than mine mm-hmm. based on what you experienced, what your culture is, um, j- even just kind of your biological persona, who you are and how you think and how you communicate. And our emotions are going to be a part of that filter. There's so many unique aspects of it. Sometimes in our filter, we um, may make assumptions that are incorrect. For example, we might project onto something new, old learning that doesn't quite fit. So that could be something that prevents us from thinking critically. We also may have had miseducative experiences in the Mm -hmm. past. Um, for example, you know, if let's go for an ag situation here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if uh, if I, for example, had some really terrible strawberries the first time I ever tried <laughs> strawberries, I may have decided that I don't like strawberries, yeah. right? But there may be some fantastic grower out there who has some wonderful strawberries that if mm-hmm. I tried them, I might overcome my previous miseducative experience yes. and decide that I do like strawberries. Silly example, but and, and very simple. Yeah. But there are much more more complex, difficult, miseducative experiences, mm-hmm. right? Where maybe we have have decided, for example, that we only eat organic. And so we have a strong belief that this is going to be better for us. And then we learn something that challenges um, how we feel about organics. Maybe it's yeah. not as great as we thought, or maybe there are some areas where we wish it were even better. And that that can be challenging to yeah. think through, right? Yeah. So critical thinking can be challenged by those those um, miseducative experiences and we wanna watch for that. And the way to overcome that is to take a step back and kind of observe your thinking and like give your brain some time and space to process it out. Also touching on, I remember when I first took your class, you mentioned things like um, confirmation bias and cognitive dissonance, which we've touched mm-hmm. on already, but I think it's really important to go into it one more time and just really define what those are and how they can affect as, you know, this podcast is part of a learning process and this is people that are seeking out more information. So how, what are cognitive dissidents and confirmation biases and how do they play into this learning process of seeking out information? So confirmation bias is this idea that we tend to seek out information that confirms what we already believe. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, for example, if I believe that I don't like strawberries, (laughs) then I'm going to consistently seek out information that confirms that strawberries are terrible, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
or I may believe um, that I don't like a particular topic. Um, maybe I avoid classes in soil science <laughs> or something like that yeah. because maybe a past experience was one that I didn't like. And mm -hmm. so I seek out information that confirms that that's a terrible topic and I'm bored by it. Yes. Whereas it may be that if I were to open my mind a little bit and challenge that assumption, I might discover that there's something really interesting that yeah. I really like or could sink my teeth into. So that's confirmation bias. Um, cognitive dissonance is the experience of something challenging an existing belief or an existing schema. So I have my idea about something and new information comes to me that sort of challenges my filter for that. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty uncomfortable. We, we probably have had experiences before, most individuals have, where we have a really deeply held belief that we've had for a long time and something challenges that belief, it's very uncomfortable. This happens a lot in the political world, for example. Um, and so we really have to wrestle with that and it can take time to step back and observe our thought process and really consider what to do with it. Yeah. Great, so trans transitioning now into another topic that is very closely related, um, but something else that I thought was very important, especially in this podcast when we go over some, like as we mentioned, some kind of more difficult topics that might cause some controversy um, would be the conflict resolution and specifically talking about what kind of solutions you're looking for and active listening were two things that I really took away from your talk. So if you could just kind yeah. of explain to us, I know it's a huge topic and we had a two day <laughs> workshop on <laughs> no, it, but if okay. you could kind of briefly explain how, what is conflict resolution yeah. and what are the key aspects of it to have a optimal Yeah. Ending. Yes. Yeah. So let me give you the classic famous story in the world of mediation and everybody has their own rendition of this. Um, but I think this is the easiest way to kind of illustrate this. So you've heard it before. We'll see if mm -hmm. I tell it the same way as I told it last time. Uh, but the story is of the orange and the sisters. And so um, in the story, there are two teenage sisters walking home from school. And as they're walking home, one just casually mentions to the other, gosh, I hope mom didn't eat that orange that was in the fruit basket when we left this morning. You know, I told mom not to eat it. I, I hope she remembered and didn't eat it with her lunch. And her sister looks at her confused and says, wait a minute. Didn't you hear me last night when I told mom that I needed that orange when I got home from school today? And her sister says, no, I, I definitely didn't hear you last night. You didn't say anything about needing the orange. In fact, mom didn't hear you either because when I told her this morning that I needed the orange, she said, okay, got it, honey, sure. <laughs> so you must have thought it and not said it. The orange is mine, I called it. And her sister looks at her and says, no, actually I called the orange, it's mine. So of course, sisters, take off running for the house, <laughs> trying to beat each other to the orange. And so as they get into the kitchen, one of them grabs the orange, the other one grabs that first sister by the backpack, pulls her down, tries to <laughs> tackle her and get the orange from her. And it's getting loud in the kitchen. Meanwhile, their mom is upstairs and she hears them arguing. She works from home, she's working on a project. And so as she hears them, she thinks, for real? They just walked in the house. They're teenagers and they're already arguing. I've just had it. They're constantly fighting, always arguing. I keep telling them they need to learn to work it out on their own. They're teenagers, I shouldn't have to solve everything. So she decides she's gonna wait. She's not gonna get involved. So she sits, she tries to focus on her project. And of course it gets louder and louder. So finally she hears things slamming in the kitchen and she thinks, well now they're gonna break my things. I've gotta go stop this fight. So she storms downstairs and she's frustrated. She walks in the kitchen and she says, 
Ladies, freeze, stop. What are you arguing over? And they both jump right in. Mom, I called the orange. You know I called it last night. No, mom, you heard me call it this morning. That's not true, mom. You know I called it last night. Tell her, tell her. Mom, you always take her side. Just this once, take my side. That's not true. Your mom's favorite. Just take my side this time, mom. No, that's not true. Mom let you have the front seat this morning. Yeah, but you got to pick what we watched last night. Mom says, ladies, this is ridiculous. You are teenagers. You're not little kids anymore. You need to be able to solve things on your own. What do you need the orange for? What is going on? Because, mom, I told you. Come on, you never pick my side. That's not true. She always picks your side. Mom says, that's it. Stop. I've had it. She takes the orange. She cuts it perfectly in half. They each get 50% of the orange. And she says to them, I don't want to hear another word about it. Right? She's done. So she's done with it. She walks away. The girls each go to their half of the kitchen. So Sister A takes her orange and begins juicing it. And she's juicing it because it turns out the backstory is her track coach told her she needed fresh vitamin C. There's apparently a virus going around on the team, and she's actually doing really well this season. So her coach said, hey, I think I think potentially you could be scholarship material, but you need to qualify to move on. Otherwise, the scouts are never going to see you. So this next meet is going to be really important. You've got to make sure you're healthy despite whatever it is that the team is passing around. So fresh vitamin C. Don't drink Capri Sun or Sunny D. I want you to go home, get fresh vitamin C. Really take care of yourself. So she's juicing her orange. And even if this is a really large, ripe (laughs) orange, how much juice are we going to get out of half of an orange, right? Not very much. Maybe a quarter cup, maybe a little more, Mm -hmm. but not a whole lot. Well, she's never juiced an orange before. So as she's juicing it, she looks dismayed at this amount of juice that's coming out. And she's so frustrated. She looks at her sister across the kitchen and thinks, she ruined my life. I'm not going to college. I'm going to be living in the basement with the cats forever. She's destroyed me because she wouldn't give me the orange. So she pouts and she throws the rind of the orange in the trash can. Meanwhile, her sister is on the other side of the kitchen. The other sister takes her half of the orange and she starts zesting it. And she zests all this beautiful zest off of the rind of the orange. But she quickly gets down to that pithy sort of white part of the Mm -hmm. orange that's not the pretty, yummy smelling orange zest. And so she pulls out a tray of cupcakes that she let cool overnight. She's going to frost them now. And she's going to put this orange zest on top of these secret recipe orange zest cupcakes. And so she starts putting the zest on, but she only has enough zest for half of the cupcakes. So her backstory is she's the president of this club. This club has a bake sale every year at school. And for the bake sale, the president of the club guards this secret orange zest cupcake recipe. And for some reason, these cupcakes have this reputation at school. And every year, the kids pay like 10 bucks a cupcake for these. And so it's a big moneymaker for them. And the president is responsible for these cupcakes. So she looks at her cupcakes. She's got orange zest for half of them. And she looks at the other other half and she thinks, I'm ruined. That's it. My legacy as president is over. We're not going to make the money that we need for the trip that we're supposed to go on. My sister has ruined my life. Everyone is going to hate me. I'm destroyed. So pouting, she slams the pulp of her half of the orange into the trash can. And for the rest of the night, the girls are upset at each other. But if we pause the story, we take a look in the trash can. What do we see in the trash can? You got half the zesty rind and then you have half the innards, which could have been the juice. Right. So each girl essentially threw away 
what the other could have used, right? So if we stop and look at mom's solution, what we see is this is basically an analogy for how we handle conflict, generally speaking, in our culture. We tend to look to an authority to solve the problem for us when we can't solve it on our own. The authority does the fair solution, whatever they perceive that to be, and often they want it to be done quickly. So mom is frustrated that the girls can't solve their own problem. She's got a project to do that she needs to get back to. So in her haste and frustration, she gave them a fair solution. She cut the orange in half, 50-50. It's fair. Mm -hmm. But it's not a solution that's optimal for their situation. So we still have two people who are frustrated at each other and feeling like they lost. Neither of them got 100% of what they needed. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we have waste in the situation. Mm -hmm. So the problem here is what? Well, often folks say, well, they didn't communicate. But actually, they did. They communicated a lot, right? They said a lot of stuff. The problem is that they didn't communicate about what really mattered most. They didn't talk about why they needed the orange and what was important to them. So when I first heard this story, it was a game changer for me. Um, It helped me to understand that we tend to solve problems just to get out of the discomfort of being in the problem. Mm -hmm. We try to do it as quickly as possible. Um, And we often do so from the place of what we call positions. So in the conflict resolution world, your position is what you say you want or what you think you want. So in this situation, each sister's position was, I want the orange. No, I want the orange. But if we look underneath positions, kind of picture an iceberg. So the positions are the part of the iceberg that are on top of the water. Mm -hmm. Underneath, in the water, are what we call the underlying interests. And this is the stuff that's most important. So this is the track need and the future and a scholarship application. That's what's really important for one sister. And for the other sister, what's really important is these cupcakes and the legacy of the club and the success of this bake sale, right? Mm -hmm. So had the girls talked about what was really important, clearly we could have had more solutions. You know, the obvious one being one could have had the rind and the other could have had the pulp. But we also could have thought about things like, hey, we could buy another orange or maybe there are some other ways to be healthy, right? Maybe maybe there are things better than drinking fresh vitamin C. Mm -hmm. In fact, we probably know there are things that could be even more helpful. So underneath the iceberg, the part that's under the water holds lots of creative solutions that are more than fair. They're optimal. They meet the needs of everybody involved. The trouble is we don't talk about that stuff. And that's usually because we get so upset that we don't want to feel vulnerable and talk about what's really most important to us. So the key in preventing and resolving conflict is first asking ourselves, what is it that's really important to me here? What need do I have that I'm trying to fill? And then taking the courageous step of asking ourselves, What do I think is important to the other person? And then actually asking them and seeing if you're right or if maybe there's something else that's important to them that you don't know about yet. But that takes a lot of deep breaths before we can do that. Yes, yes, definitely. That was great. So you're, you know, talking about how when you listen and a lot of communication is happening, but you're not hearing the underlying needs and values. So you mentioned something in class about active listening. Yeah. So can you talk about how we tend to listen versus how you as a mediator or as someone who's trying to find a resolution have to listen differently? 
So when we listen, we often listen to try to solve, right? Both because we want to get it done quickly, um, maybe because we think that's how we're supposed to listen or what we've been taught. Um, but what we really want to first do before we listen to solve is we want to listen to understand. Because often if we skip understanding, we end up solving the wrong problem, right? It wasn't about cutting the orange in half. Mm -hmm. It was about what was really most important to them. Mm -hmm. So if mom had been listening to understand, she might have asked some questions around why it was important. But let's take a step back here. Mom did ask why they wanted the orange. And she was met with very surfacey answers because you always take her side, because she's your favorite, basically because I deserve it and she doesn't, which is not really what it's about. So listening involves encouraging people to talk about what's really important. Active listening means summarizing and saying, okay, I hear that you want the orange. Can you say more about that? Can you tell me more about why it's important to you? And those are questions that feel a little funny when we first try them out. They might feel mm -hmm. uncomfortable or feel like we're trying to be a therapist for somebody. Yeah. Um, but actually what we find is when we do active listening exercises and try this out, the person who's uncomfortable is the one listening and asking mm -hmm. questions that are different or new to them. The person who's sharing feels really appreciative of these questions. They never mm -hmm. think they feel awkward, even though the person asking them might feel awkward asking yeah. them. So active listening means that we're, we're listening to try to understand rather than to solve. And rather than offering a solution, we're just creating a space where the person can think through things. One of the challenges that gets in the way of active listening is this idea of confirmation bias. So we have assumptions about what we think the problem is for the other person and what we think the answer is. So we often have to set those aside and really ask with a curious mind. Tell me more about that. That's And that's something that's super difficult. Right. As someone that's practiced it and whatnot, I think if people listening go out and try some of these tactics of listening with curiosity and keeping an open mind and trying to have those insightful questions to keep them talking. It's an effort. It's hard and it, it takes is. practice, but I think it's worthwhile. It does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking today in the scope of for the podcasts and in agriculture. Um, but I guess my last question for you is if you can tell listeners one thing at all about critical thinking or active listening or conflict resolution, what would you leave them with today? Oh, gosh. You know, I often say that the most important thing in the communication world is recognizing that when two people are communicating, we have a message sender and a message receiver, right? We're only successful with our communication if that message sender and message receiver both understand the same message. And when we make assumptions about what the other person is trying to say, or our filters get in the way of communicating, our communication can be really unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. So we really wanna think about trying to understand the other person and then we wanna think about communicating with them in a way that they can hear, deliver our message in a way that they can hear it, um, rather than in a way that shuts them down. Mm -hmm. So invite them to hear us by first hearing them. That's great. Well, yeah. thank you very, very much. And I'm sure everyone learned something new today. Good. So great. Good luck with it all. Thank you. Well, there you have it. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about critical thinking and conflict resolution to leave you with some things to think about. When was the last time you read something online or heard something from a friend that you instantly disagreed with or that made you uncomfortable? And how did you respond? 
Have you ever found yourself giving in to confirmation bias when looking up new information? I know most of us probably have. Where do you usually get that information from? TV news? Facebook? Google Scholar? What are some ways we can work to mitigate that and ensure that we are taking in information from a variety of sources? Thank you all for listening. If you have any questions about this episode's content or general inquiries, please feel free to contact me via the contact tab on the From Urban to Ag website or by joining the From Urban to Ag Facebook group. I'd love to get your feedback. If you enjoyed today's podcast and don't want to miss the next one, subscribe to the From Urban to Ag website by entering your email into the subscribe box that can be found at the bottom of each page. Till next time, have a great day.